Welcome back, listeners of yours, to another week of Education, the Teacher's Talkie Terror podcast, where myself, Mike, and myself, Courtney, are here to talk about our first Alfred Hitchcock movie. And it is not Psycho, and it's not Rear Window, or Vertigo, or The Birds, or all of the other. I much. I don't want to say better. I liked this movie, yeah. but. Um, I guess there are others that fit the horror genre better than this did. Uh, and so I don't... This one is definitely more of a thriller for me. Uh, yes. This this week we're covering Alfred Hitchcock's 1972 release of a movie called Frenzy. Um, which really, if you break it down to it, this one is arguably some of the scariest content we've covered. Because it's it is real. Like, you know, in a realistic sense. But... Um, the delivery was more dramatic and more th- mm-hmm. thriller and suspenseful than it was straight horror, which is okay. We'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. It's good to cleanse our palate every once in yes. a while. Um, yeah, so Frenzy, at this point, we are late in Hitchcock's career because I know some of his early stuff was in the 30s. Um, oh. So dude's been directing for like multiple decades. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's near the I don't know. This may be one of his... I don't think it's his last one. Let me take a peek real quick. Uh, get to his filmography. Um, let's see. Yeah, his first um, his first film was 1922. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so this one was 1972. 50 years later, he's still making movies. His This was his next to last film. His final film was a 1976 movie called Family Plot. Um and uh God, he's so good like even by the time we get to psycho after psycho in 1960 he only made six more films wow. so when you think of all the stuff that he did um psycho was late yeah. <laughs> uh man i'm looking through as i've seen a lot of this stuff really really good um but this one frenzy british thriller um i've seen a lot of hitchcock not a lot of nudity there were some boobs in this one yeah um and that's for the content that's covered i guess was mildly appropriate it would have been surprising to see no nudity in the content of this movie um we start off with our main character we meet richard blaney matter of fact we meet him as he's getting fired from his Uh job as as a bartender like he used to be in the Royal Air Force. Like he, he was. Yeah. He had a military career, and now he's just tending bar. Um, and his bartender boss had it out for him. I really, it's Blaney's kind of an interesting character because uh, I feel bad for the actor John Finch because really to look at him, he just looks unlikable. At least to me, he did. He just looked like a guy that you see him, and you're like, I just don't like that guy. Now, see, I thought he was attractive. That, no, that I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't attractive. I'm just saying that like, um, he they did a great job with casting because yeah, like he he's living in an apartment above the bar. He comes downstairs and just has a, a quick drink, like literally like a shot. Um, the bartender or the the bar owner comes in, sees him take the shot, and just fires him. And he goes, "I always he goes, I do it all the time. I pay for it every time." Mm-hmm. And even the other bartender, who is kind of like his pseudo girlfriend, she's like, "He pays for it every time." You know, he's like, "I was going to put money in the in the till," and the bar t- the owner's like, "I don't care. You fired." Yeah, I just yeah. and he and he just has that look about him. He's just kind of mousy in a way, yeah. and he almost like you can tell the guy's just down on his luck. Um, and so he gets fired. Uh, and he's got, I mean, but he's, he's personable. Uh, it's weird to, to look at a guy and say he, he looks unlikable, but somehow is likable is, is bizarre. It's a really uh-huh. bizarre trait. And I give John Finch a lot of credit for that because he really performed it well. It was subtle, but at the same time, like, you, like I did, I looked at him like, I, I don't like this guy, but at the same time, I feel bad for him. Yeah, he's the underdog, so it's like you want to like him. And so, yeah, he he leaves and he goes and he finds his friend, uh, Rusk, Bob Rusk, uh, who in this guy is, like, these are, I'll give the British some credit, at least British in the 70s, that they're they're well-dressed gentlemen. Yes. You know, like, Blaney is well-dressed for being, like, a 
part-time bartender. Mm-hmm. And he goes and finds his friend Rusk, who again is dressed in a suit as he's like work he's like runs a fruit stand. Yeah. <laughs> like, um He has the thickest, most luscious hair. Oh yeah. It oh is. my goodness. Yeah, it's stop a bullet this hair. Like guys are always blessed with the best hair, I feel like. Most yeah, guys. Some of, some of us, yeah. <laughs> most guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he does have, he has very nice hair. Um, you know, and ev- like, he's wanting to help him out. You know, he's, hey man, you know, you, you'll get him next time. Um, you know, and he gives him a tip on a horse race coming up. You know, he, he's like, hey, I, I know what's going to happen. Here's your tip. Uh, and Planey's like, I don't have any money. Like, cause he does, he just got fired. Yeah. Um, and you get a sense that he doesn't hold his money very, very long no. anyway. Uh, and so, you know, that's just kind of where we're at with Blaney. He's just, he can't catch a break either, any way you go. And that's really, that's really the story of this movie yeah. in, a, in a nutshell. <laughs> the dude can't catch a break. He is um, at the wrong place at the wrong time every yeah. time. And there is, and really that is a, that's a Hitchcock theme through okay. a, a vast majority of his movies. Okay. Is your main character tends to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes they get caught up in, in in shenanigans like this movie or like Psycho, where our main character, Marion Crane, just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, other times they just they get confused for people, which kind of happened here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking of other movies like uh, North by Northwest and, and Vertigo, where they just they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of a Hitchcockian trope, which is cool uh, because you could go so many different ways with, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> with that plot device. You just build a story around it. Um, and so uh, back to, you know, back to Blaney, he goes to visit his ex-wife, which ironically enough, uh, his, he goes to see his ex-wife. Who runs a very successful like matchmaking yeah, matchmaking service? She's like, got like the seventies Tinder. Oh yeah, kind yeah, exactly. of type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she's the precursor to online mm-hmm. dating for sure. Yeah. Um, and she's a pleasant lady. She really mm-hmm. is. Uh, Brenda's her name. She's again buttoned up, successful. She cares about him still. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he goes to her and he's just complaining like. You yeah. can tell they still have a decent relationship yes. as as ex partners. Yeah. Um, you know they kind of get into a little argument, which is pretty standard for a formerly married couple. But still, you know, she's like, "Well, you know, what are you going to do later?" And he's like, "I don't know." She's like, "Well, hopefully you'll have dinner with me." Like she's she still mm-hmm. cares enough to be like, "Look, I know I'm not married to you, but I don't want to see you like fail." Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is nice because. A lot of broken marriages, they do kind of want to see the other one mm-hmm. fail. Um, so I, I like Brenda. Um, you know, again, Blaney, he's doing his best to keep up his appearance. Uh, he's got no money. She offered, well, I don't remember. Did she give him any money? Um, well, I, didn't she offer it to him? Yeah. But he didn't, like, something, embarrassed. I don't know why. Yeah. He didn't take it or something. And yeah. then. Later that night, he stayed at the Salvation Army, and that's right. when he had realized she slipped it in his coat pocket. Oh, that's pocket. right. That's right. I knew we yeah. got money from her. Couldn't remember. Yeah, that's right. She slipped it in his pocket. Um, and so, yeah, he stayed the night at Salvation Army. The guy across the cot yeah. just, like, pick, <laughs> tries to pickpocket it, but he catches him. You know, gets yeah. his money back. And, uh, and so, um, the next day... Oh, you know... <laughs> The, okay. Uh, the whole pretense of this movie is while everything's going on with Blaney, there are random murders happening in London. I'm guessing this is London. Yes. Okay. There's there's murders going on, and it they all have the same mo. It's the necktie killer. Yes. The necktie which murderer. Which, reminds me of the Kansas City Strangler. Yeah. That was like 1977. Yeah. It, it wouldn't, you know, well, I, <laughs> this movie did, it was, it made six times its money. So I don't know how prevalent it was here in the States, but who knows? Could have been an inspiration. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the movie starts with 
Um, like even before we meet Blaney, we've got a naked body like washing up in like the channel, you know, like mm-hmm. the channel or yeah. whatever, you know, in the water. Um, she's naked, floating. She's got a necktie around her neck, and that's really how these murders are happening. Mm-hmm. Is there are um, they appear to be sexual in nature, and they are always the result of somebody being strangled with a necktie and then just left somewhere. Um, and so that's where all this kind of comes in. So we know that there's these murders happening. They've been happening. There's no lead on anyone. Um, and that's when we meet Blaney. And and honestly, there was never one moment, even before we saw who the murderer was, there was never a moment I thought it was him. No. Because Hitchcock did a good job of establishing that this guy's just down on his luck and in the wrong place at the wrong mm-hmm. time. Like, yeah. he's been taking those shots from his bar for God knows how long. But <laughs> yeah. today, the owner caught him. Yep. And even then, like, he didn't try to hide it. It was no. just, oh, I, I pay for it every time. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Blaney's buddy Rusk shows up at Brenda's agency. Yeah. And, and he, they, <laughs> he's been turned away because yeah. he, he wants, like, a girl who like wants to be hurt kind yeah, of almost yeah. like he's just got these creepy weird yeah kinks. just these te- these tendencies like yes. he's he's looking for a girl of a certain not even look or feature set yeah. but just and, and that's such a weird thing like online i think you could put that in a profile i i don't know yeah i know um, uh online i think you could put that and it doesn't feel as inappropriate, but I would think like an in-person dating service. Yeah. To, yeah. For like for the guy to walk in and be like, I'm looking for a girl that likes it rough. Uh-huh. But then for a girl to come in and be like, mm, I'm looking for a guy that that likes it rough. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that likes to hurt women. Like uh-huh. it just seems yeah. like I don't know. Um so he shows up, uh, like you mentioned, they turn him away because the guy's a creep. Mm-hmm. At least in this sense, because really, when we met him earlier yeah. with, with Blaney, he was fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people typically wear their sexual preferences right. on their on their sleeve. Yes. Um, and but in a dating service capacity, yeah, you're gonna <laughs> kind of put that forward. Um, and Brenda had sent her secretary away, like yeah. to run an errand or something. I don't know. It's inconsequential. Uh, and when Rusk shows up and we get, I mean, right away we realize Rusk is the next high killer. Mm-hmm. He finds Brenda alone, a very uncomfortable rape yeah. scene. Um, and, and it's, was, I want to give Hitchcock credit because like this scene was the scariest scene in the movie. It, it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. It was I mean, uncomfortable. He's like, he's saying like, love me. Right. And just like repeatedly, and you can see the fear in her eyes when oh, she yeah. realizes like what's about to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's telling him no. She knows the man. Um. You know, because he's been trying to get there, and he's like, "You're you're just the woman I've been looking for." Yeah. You know. Um. And he he rapes her, and then takes his next tie off and strangles her with it. So we now know. Right now, this is pretty early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. That he that that Rusk is the necktie killer, yep. the necktie murderer. Um, I like this reveal. I first I wasn't sure, but as the movie went on, I understood how important it was. Yeah, I really like this reveal because in a lot of movies they don't reveal who the killer is until like the third act. Mm-hmm. Um. And even, I, I just, I watched a movie the other day, um, 90s movie called Kiss the Girls. It's a suspense thriller, and it's, I won't say a similar storyline, but you've got, you've got a man that is abducting women, um, and he keeps them in a basement, you know, that, that kind of thing. But yeah. the, the guy wears a mask, you could tell he's using a different voice, like, up until literally the last 10 minutes of the movie you find out who it is and that's all well and good like that's how these movies work most of the time but for Hitchcock to be like look I want you guys to know who it is right now 
Yeah. And it makes it even more, like, aggravating almost. Like, you know, when when he gets thrown in because it's like, no, I know who yeah. did it. Like, yeah. I know. Yeah, and I thought it was I just... I hate that. I thought, it, I thought it was just, honestly, like, a brilliant decision of Hitchcock to be like, we're going to reveal the killer now mm-hmm. so that you as an audience can live with this and know what's going on. And we could show... Typically in a movie like this, they show... Like when I was watching that Kiss the Girls, we were watching the main character's story path and then occasionally, like, the kidnapper would pop in. You know, like, it would cut yeah. to a scene where he's kidnapping another person. And then it's almost like they just drop in, drop out, you know? Whereas this movie, it's like, Rusk is now a main character, too. Yeah. And so we're following what he's doing at the same time we're following what Blaney's doing and we're just hoping because we've already seen their paths cross once at the beginning of the movie it makes it even more uncomfortable every time they cross again mm-hmm. because it's like we see Blaney and Rusk on screen together and we're like that, you know we can't do anything about it you know uh, and so yeah um, you know so Rusk leaves you know he he tells Brenda because she's like my you know she'll be my sister will be back any minute. He's like, I locked the door. She can't get in. Yeah. You know? Um, the only drawback I had is the looks on the faces of the women in this movie. After oh, my goodness. Was so cartoonish. It was so cheesy. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, when it came back to her and she's like. Eh, yeah. Like, I'm like, honey, that's the kind of face I made in eighth grade when we were told to do a silly face. Right. Like. Right. You know, we thought we were cool doing that. Like, no. I mean, but yeah, it, it was it was goofy. Maybe that was intentionally done just to kind of lighten lighten yeah. the tension a bit. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, but regardless, it was a little goofy. Um, <laughs> so Rusk leaves. Rusk leaves. Blaney shows up. Yeah. Like, cause like, he just wants to talk to his ex wife. The mm-hmm. office is locked, so he leaves. You know, not a big deal. Like, oh, they must not be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And as he's leaving, her secretary shows up. She's coming back from lunch. She sees Blaney leaving. Well, then she gets back into the office and finds Brenda dead. So, understandably so, she's like, Blaney did it. Prime suspect right there. Yeah, like I saw she was dead. He was leaving. Case closed. Yeah. Um, so now, like, it's in the papers that he's, you know, Richard Blaney is the necktie murderer. He's on the loose. We got to get him. Um, you know, Blaney meets up again with his girlfriend. I, I'm going to call her his girlfriend. Because yeah, that's, that's ri- just, yeah. She, she worked at the bar with him. She cares about him. He cares mm-hmm. about her. Um, you know, Babs is her name. Yeah. And uh, meets up with her. And, of course, she's read the newspapers. And he's like, it's not me. Like, you know, it's it's not me. You know me. It's mm-hmm. not me. There, I, I wouldn't do that. You know. Um, and so she does what any woman would do. Like, oh, well, you didn't. You didn't rape and murder this woman. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go. Let's go have sex. So <laughs> let's go do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's like, whatever, you know. Uh I'm sure it was a sigh of relief for her as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, they just, like, they just missed the police. Like, the police show up looking for him as they'd left. Um, they go find one of Blaney's, like, military buddies. Yeah. And, and again, just well-dressed people, like, top mm-hmm. to bottom. Like, everybody is, like, they sleep in a suit kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, shows that, and his buddy is like, hey, I know him. He's fine. You know, he's good. The mm-hmm. wife, though, good for the wife. She does. She sticks up for herself. She's like, nope, not. I'm not. Really. I'm not holding a criminal on the loose. Right. Like, no. And they, I did like how she's like, when he's like, no, he's staying, and she's like, I'm going shopping. Right. Like, I'm like, fine. I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, but where? Because they're getting ready for bed, and yeah. you're going shopping. Yeah. Midnight district. It's yeah. London. I, somebody's open in London. Yeah. Um, and they they had the appearance that they could afford to go to wherever yes. they in London. Um, and so, 
Blaney stays at the friend's house and tells Babs, go get your stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, go actually go get my stuff. Because they're gonna fly away. Yeah, this they're... is all. This is all the same day. Yeah, like he got <laughs> fired that morning. This is all the same day, so he hadn't had a chance to get his stuff from the bar. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Can you go get my stuff? Because they're gonna get me out of here. Because it's not me. Like I didn't yeah. do it." She's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do it." Um, and so on her way back to the pub. She runs into Rusk. Right. He, she, well, she had made it back to the pub and she was like bickering with the owner. Yeah. And Rusk overheard. Oh, right. Like he was at the end of the bar, kind like overheard her, them fighting. So then, yeah, that's when Rusk like slides in like, hey, I heard you and I yeah. can fix your problems. Right. Um, you know, he offers to let her... Like, let them stay at his place. Yeah. Kind of thing. You know, you guys could stay at my place. You know, Because he's under- going away, so why not? Right, yeah. Um, and so let me show you where it's at. And again, she kind of knows him. Mm-hmm. She knows Russ because he sells fruit just around the corner. Like, it's, you know, Blaney's buddy. Um, so, and she willingly goes with him. Like, oh, oh, you're being a lifesaver, you know? Yeah. Because she was there with the the military couple that, are, that they did. The guy was fine. The wife didn't yes. want him there. So she was like, this would be great. This would be great. So they go up to his apartment and we are left outside. Mm-hmm. Another great filmmaking choice. Because we, we know Rusk is the necktie yes. murderer. And we watch her go up into... The, his apartment the cameraman stays at the bottom of the stairs we watch her go in and as he's closing the door he says something along the lines of you know you're you're you know almost like you're the kind of woman i've been looking for yeah something like that door closes scene fades out and we know that's it she's dead Mm -hmm. and it's like we sit there with the ability to do nothing yep and it and just like as you go and like you see the mirror or the windows of where they're at, like it's like no. Oh yeah, that's right because they kind of did that. They did that pullback shot yeah. where they like the cameraman st- stuck there and then backed out. And as they're ba- like they back out to the street and life is just happening. And we know that as London is happening on the street, like her her life is ending upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just I'll tell you the guys this. 50 years later, he made this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a mad... Never, never won an Oscar. Really? Never. Huh. It was never considered the best director any year of any film he's made. Wow. So, yeah. I can't tell you what movies were nominated and won Best Picture and Best Director in the years he was nominated. Yeah. But I can tell you Hitchcock was one of the best. Um, and so we, we, we get kind of this weird, uh, this weird scene where of Rusk trying to get rid of the body. Yeah. And this scene, it went on really long <laughs> like, on the simplest, simplest plan. Cause he had, um, he had like this lapel pin with an R for Rusk. He takes her body and puts it in like a potato sack and like throws it into the back of a truck that's hauling mm-hmm. potatoes. Like, done. You know, um, they'll find her body somewhere else and it would be pinned on the delivery driver. So it seems like a fairly foolproof plan to get rid of the body. Yeah. Until he gets back to his apartment and discovers that he's missing that pin. And realizes that if that pin is discovered, eventually they'll trace it back to me. It can't have this. Which, admirable that he recognizes that. Because a lot of times, like in a movie, that's where they would leave it. Mm -hmm. Is that he's looking for his pin and he can't find it. So that's how they trace it back to him. Rusk is smarter than this. So he realizes that he kind of replays it. She must have ripped it off me when I was strangling her. 
knowing that it's going to pin me to it, no pun intended, um, <laughs> he goes back to the truck, climbs in. Of course, it's full of potato sacks. Yeah. So now he's got to find the potato sack with the dead body in it. As he's doing this, the driver gets in the truck and drives away. So... <laughs> it's so, one of those oh shoot moments. Yeah, like, exactly. And it's kind of like it's kind of fun to watch. I thought it went on probably a little too long, <laughs> but it, it was kind of fun to watch yeah. because um, typically movies like this just follow they we follow Blaney everywhere. Mm-hmm. But now we're following the murder to see what the murder is up to, and he, now he's trying to clean up. You know, like yeah, uh, he eventually like there's potatoes falling on the ground, like. He um, he eventually does find the body with Babs or the ba- the bag with Babs' body in it. That's yeah, a mouthful. And <laughs> I don't know how quick rigor mortis sets in. And London really fast. But for just like a couple hours, I don't even think it was that long. Wow, she is. I mean, stiff. Yeah. He had to, like, break her fingers yeah. to get the pin out of her hand. Um, and so, he, they get to their destination. He's still in the back of the truck. He gets out, and they, like, the, the driver stopped at, like, a cafe. And it didn't get to the destination. Stops at a cafe. He also gets out of the back of... And goes into the cafe um, mm-hmm. just to clean himself up. You know, yeah. like, he's sweaty. Like, he's... Yeah, he's, he's been a working. mess. They eventually find Babs' body, because, like, the truck driver drives on. Like, her body just falls out of the back of the truck. Luckily, a police officer is following them. Yeah, runs her over. <laughs> Luckily. But, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Rusk made no effort to, like, hide the body back. He just, he got the pin yeah. and left the body. Um, the body falls out of the back of the truck. Uh, Kudo, it, there's no way that was a stunt woman. They had to have had a dummy. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was a pretty good dummy. Yeah. But it's like, man, that's 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 a lot of work to ask a yeah. stunt woman, hey, strip down nude and fall naked out of the back of a truck onto a road from a moving vehicle um so obviously Bab's body is discovered they again pin it on Blaney because that's his girlfriend like the last two people murdered are his ex-wife and his girlfriend um Blaney has no idea Rusk is the murderer no so he makes a decision to go for him like listen I, I need to stay somewhere like can I stay with you and he's like of course like hide out in my flat no problem yeah. So they head up there, and Rusk is like, I'll take your bag. Like, you don't carry your bag. I'll carry it. Which right. you knew something... Fishy. Was, yes. And so they get up there, and seconds later, the police have barged in. Yep. Arresting Blaney for the murder. Which, okay. I mean, Rusk... We yes. know it's Rusk, but nobody else knows it is. Exactly. But so, yeah, he, he set him up. He tipped yeah. off the police. Because he knows they get they, there. Yeah, because... Yeah, Rusk knows the police are looking for Blaney. Uh-huh. And this is his way to cover himself. Yeah. And out of his bag, they pull Bab's clothes and purse. And that is, like, he's like, no, this is Rusk. Like, yeah. I know. Like, and that's where it kicks. And Yeah. So now it's it's this bizarre... Um, it's, it's weird, because it's like, the third act starts now. But we have our hero under arrest. So it's like the only man who knows the truth about the murder is incarcerated. Yeah. And meanwhile, Rusk is free. Um, the jury finds Blaney guilty, which we knew they would. Um, you know, he pleads his innocence, says Rusk is the killer. Nobody, you know... Nobody really believes him except one chief inspector, who we've seen off and on through the whole movie. Who has the sweetest wife ever. I know. It's, oh, my gosh. The comic relief of this little bit is so yes. funny. His his wife loves to cook 
exotic meals. Yeah, and she's, like, signed up for this, like, chef's class or whatever, and she's, like, you can't even pronounce what she's making, but one of them is, like, a soupy broth, and it just has, like, fish heads in it, like, eyes and all, and it's, like, I think I ate some of that in Taiwan, and I was about as excited as he was. And it's, it's funny because, like, stereotypically, like, British cuisine gets a hard pass mm-hmm. you know a lot of people i think consider it boring um you know it's just like very just very bland and trite yes which is what makes this funny because she's going above and beyond as this british housewife of like i'm going to prepare these meals and uh, like and watching him figure out ways to hide <laughs> it like pouring the soup back into the bowl when her back's turned like it's just it's comical um, and that's all we know of this, like, Chief Inspector Oxford is his wife stuff. Well, <laughs> he's a good cop. Yes. And he he cons- he reconsiders, and I won't say he opens the case, but he quietly is keeping an eye on Rusk. He's kind of looking through the evidence. Um, and he, in an effort to keep this secret, he really just confides in his wife. Um, and he's dropping, you know, because again, he's just a male police officer yeah. and he's trying to get the women's perspective on things. Um, but it is funny because like all of these, it's easy to miss this because if you're watching these scenes with him and his wife and you're focusing on the comedy of it, you're <laughs> going to miss all of the police work. Yeah. Because he's bouncing ideas off his wife and she's just very casually, well, I, this doesn't make sense and it could be this and... Um, it's it's just kind of really interesting scenes. They're definitely more dynamic and important than just the food. Yeah. Um, so Blaney's in prison, um, and so he's got a plan to escape. He purposely injures himself so that he can go to the hospital, um, and he gets help from like the other inmate patients yeah you know so that he could escape the hospital yeah they goes back to we said like he's an unlikable likable guy right like Like, you know (laughs) he's everybody in this hospital ward has basically been saving their sleeping pills Uh uh-huh and they drug the guards (laughs) soup or whatever um and so Blaney escapes. Like yeah. and, and he escapes really without harm. Mm-hmm. Like nobody gets hurt when he escapes. It's not like he fought his way free. Um and he goes to Rusk's. He's like, I've I've got you know, I've got him. So um he goes back to Rusk's apartment and walks in and quietly walks in, and there is somebody sleeping in the bed that has the same head of hair as Rusk. You know, it's they yeah. lead us to believe that um, Rusk is asleep. That's what Blaney believes that he's asleep. He basically grabs. I don't. I don't remember what he grabbed, but he grabs something and starts beating. Yeah, the, he had like a crowbar out yeah. of some oh, someone's trunk yeah. or something. Yeah. So he like starts beating Rusk with a crowbar, <laughs> whips back the blanket. It's not Rusk. It's it- <laughs> it's another raped and murdered woman with a silly face right. and what are the odds except for that the investigator yeah opens the door at that time yeah and wrong. he's like standing there like yeah no no I know. and it's like you feel like they really build it up to be like oh like you feel for him yeah it's so bad for playing you're like oh man we they, know they they sorry i keep cutting no you no off. no it's fine i <laughs> They had, like, built up, I felt, this tension Mm -hmm. with the music and, like, the close cuts of, like, watching his hand glide up the stairwell. Like, I'm like, something bad's gonna happen. Like, Rusk is gonna be there waiting for him. Something. Like, what's going to happen? And then it's like, ugh, he's caught again for the wrong thing. Yeah. But we have the benefit that Oxford doesn't really believe Blaney is the killer. Yeah. Because he walks in, he sees this, I mean, let's face it, he sees this woman 
naked in bed, strangled with a necktie. But Blaney is standing over her with a crowbar. Yeah. That's not how these women have been killed. And Oxford is smart enough to realize that um, Blaney... Blaney's been incarcerated. Like, he Mm -hmm. just escaped from the hospital. He knows he just escaped from the hospital. Um, He came to investigate Rusk, finds Blaney there. I think he quickly deduces, I don't think you've been doing it anyway. Why else would the cop be showing up at Rusk's apartment if he thought Blaney was the killer? Well, we think, oh no, like, even if you're watching the runtime of this movie, you realize there's literally like three minutes left in the movie. Yeah. So yeah. we we still even we're thinking, oh, but you know, Blaney's busted again mm-hmm. for something he didn't do. But then they both hear they both hear something loud coming down the stairs. Um, and and Oxford hides behind the door. Rusk enters dragging this large like trunk that he's going to hide the body in um, and he sees Blaney kind of smiles but then seen, uh, sees Oxford steps out from behind the door and Rusk realizes the jig is up Yep. he kind of drops the trunk and defeat roll credits like you know we, we've known it's Rusk the whole time Yes. So just to see him apprehended is good enough for us. Yes, like, uh, exactly. We don't, need, we don't need to see a trial. We don't need to see him go. Like, mm-hmm. anything extra than how this ended would have been just extra. It would have been a waste of time. Yes. Like, he's caught. We see he's caught. You know, the good guy gets, I mean, Blaney wasn't in prison that long. Like, right. you know, um, his name is cleared. It's unfortunate though, because his wife and his girlfriend are both, or his ex-wife and girlfriend are yeah. both dead. Um, I find romance is probably going to be a little tough for Richard Blaney moving yeah. forward, but uh, we know we at least know that he's free and clear. And that is 1972 Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. Oh, did you like it? I did. Good. I was. I. I did. I wasn't worried whether you would like it, but it definitely was not as horrific as other movies we've watched right right and like that is where i have learned because i think how this all got started was like because i tweeted i went to watch a scary movie and i have quickly learned that like horror is the umbrella yes scary is just a like a genre in that genre like it's it's a trait yes like a movie can be can be a horror film without without jump scares Correct. And as a woman watching this, this this movie hit you different than it hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it, yeah, it, because it, this stuff happens. Yes, unfortunately, it does far too often. So, uh, well, let's let's hit the grade book for this one. Okay. What do you give 1972's Frenzy? I am going to give this one a B plus. Just because, like, there's there's not a lot of like horror or mm-hmm. or gore, right? Jump scares, but it's still. I mean, it is still scary because, like, like I had said earlier, like this stuff has happened in <laughs> America. Like this, mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, this stuff's happening like today. Yeah. So it is scary. Yeah, I I agree. I think a B plus is a good grade. I'm gonna give it the same. Um, I think. This portrayal of sexual abuse is more accurate than what we see in a lot of movies. Like I mentioned, Kiss the Girls from before. Yeah. It was a fine movie. It was a it was a good thriller. But you know, that movie consisted of a man in a mask sneaking into homes, kidnapping multiple women. Yeah taking them to a secluded area where they're all in an elaborate underground cave of of cells with electricity you know it's like you know you think too much about some of the like when they build things up to be scary sometimes they're you know if you think too much they're too elaborate yes you know like this was a like and this one there were like eight to ten women kidnapped and trapped all of them having their individual cell Mm -hmm. in this underground cave of 
cells. Like, I just look at it as like, okay, who dug this out? Who, yeah. who ran, you know, like, it starts to fall apart. A movie like this where it's like, there's the neighborhood guy raping and killing women and keeping it quiet. Yeah. Okay, that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff happens. And he's, he's a well-known guy. Yeah. You know, that, 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 you know, the statistics are there that the likelihood of the person you've been sexually abused by is someone that you know and someone close mm-hmm. to home. Like, those things are prominent. And so this yeah. felt, um, outside of the cartoonish look on the women's faces, yeah. but that's okay because almost in a sense it's like, it almost felt like that was a choice of, of Hitchcock's to be like, we need to show that these women really are okay. Like Yes, yes, because it is like... Like those those rape scene that the one that we the had one seen with like Brenda. it it was like raw and like real yeah, looked the, like yeah the camera was close up every yes. e- every scene like and that again a deliberate choice because the majority of this movie was not close up shots like you yeah. really it was wide shots or or you know medium close up but it's like mm-hmm. there were things in the frame whereas that that rape scene that cameraman was right in there like yes you know when he's you know not to get too graphic but like when he's when he's peeling back Brenda's bra like there's only room on camera for part of her chest like yes. that's how close the camera yeah. was um you know when we when we see Rusk's face it's like just his head you you mm-hmm. there's no room for a chat for his chest in the shot like it's really intimate with the camera yeah. work because it's a really intimate scene not not an essential way but just you know what was being showcased yeah. was was uncomfortable i've i mean i've seen a lot of movies and so i've seen you know rape scenes unfortunately in movies and there aren't very many that really come off as realistic um, from what I would assume would be realistic, I've yeah. you know never been, <laughs> thankfully never been around yes. one. Um, but this was one of them that felt like we need to do this right because we're not really making a scary movie, but this can be scary, and it was. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it really was. So, um, what do you got as a as a lesson? I suppose this one's hard because. I don't know. I think, like, something that you kind of had just said, like, a lot of times, um, and this really, like, this lesson, I think, is a little bit heavier. Um, a lot of times people are abused by those that, like, they know. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that it's important for parents or guardians, whoever you have, like, have that open communication with your child because it happens way more than you would think with people that you know and you trust. And I just, I think that like, just having that open line of communication and like letting them know, like I'm, I'm here, I believe you is very important because I think a lot of kids would go forward more or tell someone like if, if they knew that somebody would believe them. Right. We'll put. Not really. In the classroom, educational, but just... No, right, but just life in general. I'm going to go back to a similar lesson I pulled from the first Scream movie, and I there's probably, I think, one other one of... Okay. Um, if there is a series of rape-murder incidents going around, don't go somewhere with someone... By yourself like with scream if there's children being if there's teenagers being murdered um don't let your kids go anywhere like and and that's kind of what it was here like babs uh, she put a i mean rusk did a good job of convincing her that he's safe which we knew he wasn't but there still should have been some little alarm being like um no i'm not going to go to this man's apartment by myself. I don't really know him that well. Mm-hmm. And it ended up costing her his life. Yeah. Like, costing she could have just been life. like, okay, we'll meet you. Yeah. Like, you know. Blaney knows where you live. We're all, we'll, we'll come find you. I yeah. know for the plot she had to, but it yeah. just... Um, but it just seemed like, you know... Once... The, 
once there's two. Yeah. And there were there were multiple And they were, have the same MO yeah. and every like Then like with Brenda, I understand Brenda's was a little different because he went to her place of mm-hmm. work. Like Yes. You know, but but even the the woman at the end, like I I, I wanna know a little bit like where'd Russ get her? Yeah. Was she just out for a walk? Like these yeah. are the kind of things that like protect yourself. We saw prior to that last rape murder at the very end of the movie, we saw three others. We saw Babs, we saw Brenda, we saw that woman that washed up on the shore. So there's at least three going on. And this mm-hmm. London is a big city. Yeah. These these are all going on in the same neighborhood. You know, like if you're a woman in that neighborhood, don't go anywhere don't. by yourself. Yes. Um and so that's kind of I mean, I just it sucks. World sucks today. It's it scary does. out there. It's terrible. Um protect yourself at all costs. At all costs. So all right. We move on to another movie. Oh, should we have Ella back? Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you think she really wants to come back? Yes. Yeah, she's been driving me a little bit nuts this last <laughs> week. Because we, we slid Frenzy in after uh, Dust Devil. And she thought she was coming up next. And I'm like, well, we watched another one just just to mm-hmm. get something else in. I told her, I said, with it's summer, honey, it's you know we're going to watch... More, we yes. might be doing more than one a week. It's okay. So we will be back next week. Uh, well, next episode. Who knows how soon it'll be. We'll be back next episode with Scream 3. Ella will be returning. And we will be covering the third installment of the Scream franchise. Um, every time Scream 3 comes... You were there yesterday. But she's like, ah, do you like that one? <laughs> I oh, know. God. I'm so tired of answering that question. Uh... It, it falls in the formula of the rest of them. I will tell you that there are six of them out. The first two I've seen more often than the others. Scream 3 I've seen quite a bit as well. It's fun. Um, we take uh, we take Sydney to California. Actually to Hollywood. Ooh. Where she is on the set. If you remember from Scream 2, there was that movie within a movie. Uh-huh. Stab. Well... She's on the set of... She goes to be a consultant on the set oh. of Stab 2. So Scream 3 takes place as they're making Stab 2. So does, like, Scream 4 have Stab 3 in it? I believe so. But I, I've only seen Scream... Don't remember 100%? I, no, I've only screen, seen Scream 4 once and Scream 5 once. And I haven't seen Scream, Scream 6 at all. Um, and so I don't mind Scream 3. It's, yeah. It feels more comedic mm-hmm. than the first two, but it's not a comedy. Yeah. But I think by the time they get to the third one, it's it's kind of weird because the first one was very meta of like, we're going to make a horror film, but we're going to talk about horror films within our horror film while we're making mm-hmm. a horror film. And so it was so new and so fresh. Scream 2, we take her to college, and we wonder, where are you going to go now? Because you just had the two murderers from the first one are dead. But Scream 2 still revealed two more murderers. Yeah. And so, it's like, now the cat's out of the bag. You know, after two of them that have kind of had the same formula, you know what to expect with Scream 3. So, it almost feels more like a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah. Of like, okay... I'm pretty sure there's going to be two killers. Who are they? How are they related to Sydney? You know, that kind of thing. So it, it, it's almost like the filmmaker, and it's the same, the same director, Wes Craven, still directing. But it's almost like he's like, okay, everybody knows what to expect now. Yeah. We, we, we completely blindsided him with the first one. We tricked him into the same formula with the second one. Now everybody's ex- expecting it, so where can we go with it? And so it's fun in that regard, which is why, again, you get the movie within a movie. You've got, you've got Gail Weathers, but then you also have the character who is playing Gail Weathers in Stab. Yeah. So, so like they're teamed up and it's just kind of fun to see Gail and her on screen persona of Gail. Yeah. Working (laughs) together. 
you see, you know, it's like, so you have that kind of dynamic. You have Dewey, and then you have Dewey's on-screen counterpart, which is weird because Dewey himself is a character. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's, again, this extra layer of the onion of, like, this is kind of fun. Now there's two Deweys, and there's two Gales, and there's, um... There's two of that character, and, and uh, you know, but they're not exactly the same because, of course, one of them is an on-screen representation yeah. of an on-screen representation yeah. of... Uh, it gets confusing, but the movie's not as confusing. Um, <laughs> but so it is It is fun. I would say it's fun. There's a lot of people... I'll, I'll kind of give a precursor without giving anything away. There's... The reason why Scream 3 gets a bad rap is um, a lot of people feel that the story like the the tie-ins to Sydney is is a stretch okay. you know and that's really I think where it gets its bad rap as a movie it's yeah. it's not bad but people it, it's a little groan worthy of like oh yeah. like well and by the time you're making a third movie exactly. like I mean they're lucky that there's so many and they're still so popular because like usually the sequel is not as good as the first one especially especially in horror films like how many people can you kill right (laughs) you know tap down those expectations Mm -hmm. because horror movies by the time you start making sequels you're making them for money yeah you know you're not making it to necessarily extend a storyline you're like let's get a lower budget because people are they're here to see the kills yes so Let's bring in some... Because, like, you look at all the Friday the 13th and Halloween's and Nightmare on Elm Street's. Like, they're not good, but they made a ton of money because people mm-hmm. are like, hey, I know what to expect with this franchise. Let's get there and do it. Yeah. So, we will be back with Scream 3 next week. Next episode, whenever that may be. <laughs> it's summer. Who cares about weeks anymore? Yeah, um, yeah. But we'll be back with Scream 3. Uh, social media-wise, you can find us uh, on all your usual hangouts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I say usual, but I say that as like an old man. Like, I know. I'm like, what do they do now? Yeah. Like, we're not can, on Snapchat. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're not on Snapchat. <laughs> we're not on TikTok. Uh, we're not on Mastodon. Or, yeah, we don't have a Be Real or anything no, like no, that. No, you're not so. going to find us there, guys. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back with Scream 3 next week. For another week of education, I'm Mike. And I'm Courtney. And we'll see you guys with Scream 3. Bye.